Welcome. I'm Anna Ginger, your host of The Anna Ginger Show. I'm an international adoptee who has experienced the pain of rejection and the peace that comes with self-discovery and acceptance. Along the way, I've discovered that I'm not alone. In some ways, we are all adopted into or out of homes, cultures, communities, and relationships as we grow and evolve. These experiences create who we are and who we are yet to be. So let's discover how we can be and become our best selves by connecting to the guests and creative content cradled in the belief that we belong, that we are worthy, and that we are loved in this world. So stay tuned and you may discover your own adoption story. To introduce our guest and our artist for today's show, I'm going to tell you a little something about my mother. Not interested in a normal exercise class, no, not my mom. My mom found an article in the paper about belly dancing and signed up. A seamstress, she easily made the scarves and skirts and then borrowed other pieces to complete the costume. Now, she absolutely loved it, but me as her kid, I hated her exercise routine, partly because it is embarrassing to see your mom wear a sparkly sequins decorated bra-like garment, a coin belt that jiggled against her bare belly and a gauzy skirt, and guess what she was doing? Yep, pumping gas in her car. It was so embarrassing. And if we misbehaved, our punishment was her dancing in front of the picture window of our house for all our neighbors to see, again, embarrassing. Now, I was talking to my mom about this, and a direct quote from her was this. You know what? Making you kids cringe was lots of fun. And that is my mom. Now, as I think about my response as a preteen to my mom's creative self as being quite selfish and rude, actually, because we were so rude about it. But now as a 50-year-old woman, I admire her creativity and courage to reinvent herself using her sewing skills and love of dance to find joy and fulfillment and connect it to this quote. Imagine this, there was a time in history, a long time ago, when the bounce and sway of a woman's hip was considered so beautiful that they set it to music and made a dance out of it. And that's from Carolina Noriko. Not only is belly dancing something that we have in common with our guest, Ellie Olin, We have so much to talk about, including being an adoptee, if I can say it. So welcome, Ellie. Hi. Thanks. So before we get to the fun stuff, like belly dancing, would you share your adoption story with us? Sure. So I was adopted when I was one year and about two weeks old. Um, That was on May 5th, 1976, um, back when adoptions were a little bit more uh, or a lot more closed and private. Um, I was adopted through a child welfare agency in Northeast Ohio um, in a small community. And uh, my adoption was not, uh, there wasn't a lot of information. Um, pretty much my mom was called, I mean, they had not been able to have children themselves naturally and so signed up for the adoption process and they were told it was going to be at least a six-year wait for a newborn or something a baby close to a newborn they had already adopted my brother who was a year and a half old at the time and he had been adopted when he was eight eight days old so we're not related my brother and I basically my mom got a phone call one day and they just said hey we have a little girl 
you know, do you want us to bring her over? And my dad was a principal at the time. And so she said, well, I need to, I need to call my husband and ask if that's okay. And she called my dad and he said, sure, absolutely. So I think it was just two days later, they brought me and just with the clothes I had on, the diaper I had on and a little teddy bear that I actually still have <laughs> and told her that they would uh, let her know when she needed to show up at court to sign all the paperwork. And that was it. So my mom, so my mom called my, my grandma and well, they, they knew I was coming, but I was there and that she, you know, needed some clothes and diapers and just some help in general. So yeah, that's kind of how that started. And being a little over a year old, without a lot of information regarding the first year of my life, she was given the minimal information that I had been removed from my birth family. And she had some questions about that, but they did not give her any other information and, you know, basically said, you just need to be happy that you have a healthy little girl and you shouldn't be asking all these questions. And I think my feeling that I got when she talked to me about this is that she was, you know, afraid that if she had asked too many questions that they may think that she wasn't ready or fit. And so she just kind of dropped it. They dealt with some things that came up, like, for instance, you know, as an infant, I didn't really want to be held. You know, there was definitely some stuff that, that, you know, my parents were trying to work through. Good to say a lot of that changed. I'm a very huggy kind of person now. <laughs> and it does make me a little sad because I feel like, you know, having had my own kids and having, you know, worn them and slings and just a lot of closeness. I just, I'm sure that was kind of heartbreaking for her to feel like I didn't want to be held. But yeah, so I have really always known I've been adopted. My parents never, I don't even really remember a conversation. I just feel like it was just something I somehow always knew. So you, you have the teddy bear and you have your mother who's trying to find out questions about your adoption story, but you knew that you were adopted. So obviously, I guess I should ask. So you felt loved by your parents and your, your brother and family. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I've always known that I was very much wanted and they were very happy to have me. And we talked when we were talking that, um, and we'll get this will lead into the conversation about how you found out more information about your biological family. But before you found out the story, um, you always assumed the worst. Is that right about your yeah. birth mother? Yeah. I, I mean, just having that tiny bit of information that I had been removed, it was sort of either a, well, either um, something happened and they were all dead or what I thought was probably a worst case scenario is that they were abusive or, you know, neglectful in a bad way. Well, it's just important to note because of not knowing the truth and because they didn't, you were not given the answers and your mom wasn't given the answers, then you had to enter this own space of creating a story and a narrative that like helped explain why you might have been given away and taken away from your biological parents and yeah. family. Yeah. But then moving forward, you were able to find out the truth. And how did that come to be, Ellie? Yeah. So in 2014, I did 23andMe, the genetic testing. And I, it sat there, I, you know, had 9,000 fourth and fifth cousins all over the US, but nothing, nothing close at all, not even a third cousin. So then in 2018, ironically, on the same day as my 
divorce from my ex-husband, I had an email from somebody through 23andMe who uh, said, hey, this is, you know, really exciting for me, like life-changing. It looks like we are half-sisters. And honestly, on that day, I, because that was such an emotional day, I kind of looked at that and was like, whoa, that's huge. (laughs) I think I'm just going to shut this email and think about it and then go back to it and open it later. (laughs) I just had to sort of process and absorb that information. So it was the next day that I, I opened it back up and was wow, this really is. And I, you know, got on 23andMe, which I hadn't even looked at really at all for a long time. And sure enough, we were, you know, according to that, definitely half siblings. So first of all, the question was mom or or dad side. Um, and then we were able to determine pretty quickly that it was through our mother. And we did start talking. I sent an email response um, to her. And so right from the get-go. We we were completely absorbed in this, and it was really exciting for both of us. You know, it was just, yeah, it was a very, very cool moment and a really nice distraction from the universe. <laughs> like, I, I like to describe it because, you know, going through a divorce, it can be really just take up all your time and emotionally. And and it was sort of like being handed this gift of like, uh, we're not going to let you dwell on this. And look over here, this amazing thing that is um, actually going on in your life. So yeah. Yes, that cycle of life too, of like there's loss and then there's renewal and something that we gain, like this gift of information and knowledge. And as you found out the story about what happened, why were you able to make amends with your biological story? Yeah. So my half sister, she's eight years younger than me. A lot of the adoption laws had changed when she came around and was born. And so she was able to fill in a lot of holes because her situation, she had been also removed, but she was placed in a foster home. And at that time, Ohio was trying to figure out how to keep the child with the birth mom in this situation where there was neglect. And the neglect was stemming as a result of the fact that our birth mom, and I'll call her Evelyn, she had suffered a severe brain injury when she was hit by a car at eight years old, is my understanding. And she was also the youngest of 12 kids. She was neglectful because of this brain injury as a result of that. So yeah, there was definitely a huge like shift in how I felt about the situation and and just this like overwhelming feeling of compassion and, you know, sadness for her like that she probably really didn't even understand everything that was happening. And in her neglect, as far as my half sister goes, she was treating her more like a baby doll, you know, painting her nails. And she said she was doing her makeup and just not, you know, treating her like a living baby. And so, yeah, I think it's just, it definitely changed um, a lot for me and just how I feel about, you know, my whole life, just, oh my gosh, how horrible of a person could you be that you would lose custody? And here it was just not something I really ever expect to learn about her. So yeah, it's quite a gift. Now, do you think that you would have received the news differently had you not been going through it? 
divorce, do you think that that process helped you accept this gift in a different way? Uh, I probably would have accepted the same. <laughs> I think it's been really nice to have a lot of the holes in the story filled in and understanding and, and to be able to really make a you know decision for myself of where I want to go with that information. You develop more understanding for like there are definitely always more sort of to the story. <laughs> definitely more there. I think, you know, your adoption story is a part of who you are and what has shaped who you are. And just the short time that I've been able to get to know you, Ellie, one of the things that walking into the wine bar that you own is stepping into like a fairy tale. It's absolutely beautiful. And then we had that wonderful conversation where I learned that you sew these vintage costumes and that you're a belly dancer, which is connected to my mom. And I think about how we get to choose these elements of who we are and express them in a way that brings beauty to this world. So do you think how your adoption story and how you express your creative self are they connected or are they disconnected? I that's hard to say because I mean I my my mom who adopted me she was also a seamstress um, not professionally just as a hobby but came from a mom who easily could have been a professional seamstress which you know she made all of uh, my mom and her sister's dresses so my mom definitely understood sewing and patterns and things like that so I I think you know a lot of that I didn't appreciate so much when I was younger because it wasn't so cool to wear your mom's homemade dresses. <laughs> and, you know, something I, I deeply appreciate now that she really gave me and shared with me that gift. So <laughs> I feel the same. I was telling my mom, I like, because she used to make my clothing and I used to like take clothing labels, designer labels and sew them on <laughs> so that people wouldn't know that they were homemade, which is t again, terrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I remember so sorry, take, mom. Yeah. I took extra outfits with me to school sometimes <laughs> to change into because I just didn't have it in me to like hurt her feelings, not wanting to wear something that she made. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So tell me about um, and tell our listeners about I told the story about my mom and belly dancing and being embarrassed about her shaking her groove thing in front of everybody <laughs> at the gas station. But tell us about how belly dancing, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd like to believe that the belly dance community, the women that I um, have been involved in have been, I mean, as you probably know with your mom, powered, body positive, just strong, feminine, fantastic women and men. That is what my kids knew growing up. I don't want to speak for them. I didn't observe them being you know, they never actually said anything and they attended a lot of my events. All of them were family friendly, you know, there were other kids and, you know, so it was usually a fun experience. Like if I was going to go somewhere to perform that they were going, they knew it was going to be something, you know, where there would be other kids or things like that. I think that my son may feel a little different, like as a older teen, and I kind of stopped belly dancing for a while. So going to an event, I would have been supportive of my mom belly dancing. Going to the gas station where all my <laughs> friends and family can see her pumping gas and using it as a punishment technique. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I think that's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Anna Ginger Show. And my guest is Ellie Olin. And we're talking about her adoption story, about finding the truth in our lives, and about being creative. And for that reason, for this 
creative interaction segment of the show, I invited a writer who has always had a special place in my heart, not just because she has an English accent, <laughs> but because she is a brilliant writer. She is the founder of Magical Journey Writing Workshops and Retreats, and is also uh, Constellation's founder, which is a bespoke uh, 10-month writing course. And what do I love about Claire? Well, she believes that we are born to be creative and that writing connects us to who we really are and what we really value. And to be creative is to be in love with life, to love it enough that you want to bring more poetry to it, more magic, and more of you. And again, you can see why I can't get enough of Claire Steele. So I I invited Claire to select and read a poem for you, Ellie, uh, for the listeners. So welcome, Claire. Would you please read the poem? And then let's chat about creativity. Thank you. Yes, Anna, I'm delighted to be here. So the poem that I chose for you, Ellie, is a poem by Lucille Clifton, and it's called Homage to My Hips. These hips are big hips. They need space to move around in. They don't fit into little petty places. These hips are free hips. They don't like to be held back. These hips have never been enslaved. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. These hips are mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. I have known them to put a spell on a man and spin him like a top. And that's um, a poem that is in a collection called Hallelujah for 50 Foot Women, which is a collection of poems about women's relationships to their bodies. I looked for your YouTube video Ellie about the steampunk belly dancer oh gosh and I never thought that I would see the terms steampunk and belly dancing in the same bracket together but when I did I sort of fell in love with you (laughs) and I thought oh I'm gonna look in hallelujah for 50 foot women because there'll be bound to be something in there for you (laughs) thank you that's beautiful What, what did you think about Claire's selection for the poem for you belly dancing there's so much to it my husband jokes about how belly dance as he sees it is you know, 95% costuming and hanging out with friends and, you know, 5% actually dancing. (laughs) And I think that is a big part of it that, you know, in in belly dancing, you find a lot of community, you find a lot of acceptance and confidence in yourself, your body and others' bodies. And just that appreciation for artists of all types find an outlet through their art. And I think, you know, for me, dance and movement is such a part of that. It's just a a whole package for me of expression, hands-on, working, using skills, remembering, putting puzzles together, and community. So, yeah. It's beautiful. So Claire and Zoe, you heard Ellie's story about adoption and her connection to creativity. What questions do you have for Ellie or thoughts and responses? And I'll start with Zoe. I just want to know if you and your sister share the same creativity, not necessarily belly dancing probably, but do you have like some of the same cues about what you like to do and how you like to express yourself? Yeah. So so my half-sister is... Um, I. She doesn't dance. She uh, is gorgeous. Of course, I'm biased. <laughs> She's eight years younger than me. And she is a, a very, very skilled cosmetologist and does beautiful. I mean, like I, if she didn't, she lives in Texas. You know, if she lived closer, she would be the only person I go to because she makes everyone just look beautiful. And thanks to social media, I get to see a lot of her stuff, does a lot of before and afters. And I feel like you can tell the women that she works with, you know, she does a lot of like major transitions for people. She definitely is gifted artistically. And Claire, you and I have had a lot of uh, conversations about creativity, and I actually found this quote from this blogger named Alyssa Fay that wrote, creativity is about connection, whether to ourselves and our beliefs or to others and our interactions with the world. And so Claire, 
What thoughts do you have for Ellie about her adoption story and ballet dancing and creativity? I mean, I I think in part, I, I see creativity as a willingness to hand yourself over to the mysterious part of the world. And creativity is where the big shifts can happen in your life. It's a place that feels a little bit dangerous, a bit on the edge, teeming with potential. And I guess that's why we do it. We do it because we're we're drawn to the place where transformation can take place. And um, I guess my question for Ellie is, if you hadn't been a belly dancer, Ellie, what do you think you would have done? Uh, Probably, oh gosh, it's hard to know. <laughs> I I started off in ballet, which I I sometimes used to joke with my mom about, like, look what look what happened. You you put me in ballet, and I ended up being a belly dancer. <laughs> um, I I mean, there's so many things that I love to do. As far as you know, I garden, um, I sew, of course. Um, you know, even just running in the woods, I like to trail run. So. I think that, uh, you know, I would probably find some physical way to have an outlet because I definitely feel like that is um, one of those things that I need, just even if it is hiking in the woods, uh, which is one of my favorite things to do to just kind of find peace if I need it. Um, Yeah, so... I think, too, what I love about... um, bringing Claire to the conversation when it comes to creativity and writing and taking ownership of your story and being um, at peace with being a creative being. And with Zoe coming in with her passion for storytelling and your story, Ellie, is about taking in information to be able to love your body and to love yourself enough to be able to, when you're talking about creating community through the belly dancing and through creating these beautiful costumes, those are sort of like our facts in our stories too, about taking those facts and figuring out how are we going to tell our story in the best way, in a way that honors um, our own stories and other other stories and our connections to community. But I think sometimes that we're afraid of that, or we don't have the information. Like Ellie, you didn't have the information, so you put in pieces that told your story that if you kept believing that, if you didn't have the facts, it would have been a different dance. But because you were able to have this gift, that your dance is much different than what it is um, or what it could have been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you're right, Anna. And I think also the the thing is that your identity, creativity is the thing that allows you to connect to your own identity. And maybe in an adoption story, that's the thing that is even more powerful than um, in people who, who have not been adopted. But uh, so my my mum also took up belly dancing at the age of her mid-70s. Nice. Um, but she was a painter. And when she was a student painter, a student artist, she was she was struggling with a canvas one day and one of her a a boy in the year a couple of years above her said well what do you really like to do and she said I like to dance and he said well dance when you paint then (laughs) and her paintings 
have never, you know, they're so full of life. She's never stopped painting. She's paint. She still paints now in her eighties, and she's her, her paintings are vibrant. You'd never know they were painted by an eight-year-old, and uh, she's never really stopped dancing either. So I think the thing is that it doesn't really matter what form your creativity takes. It connects you to the person you really are and the person you're meant to be. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and tying that in with adoption too, you know, being somebody who, you know, my my adoptive parents are, you know, German, Welsh, uh, no dancing at all. <laughs> I mean, at all. And, you know, for somebody like me, who the moment I started, I mean, I've always wanted to dance. Um when I said earlier that my mom put me in, ba- in ballet, it's because it took um, a lot of me begging and begging and pleading. Um, ballet was really the only form of dance I was familiar with. and But I've always just known that I love movement. It is just, I hear music and my body moves. And, you know, that didn't come from my parents. And I feel like being adopted, there is sort of that mystery of like, like, this is just, this happens to me. And, you know, I've talked to my mom about that and, you know, she doesn't have it. She, she likes to cook. She likes to bake. And, you know, we've talked about how, you know, her feeling when she needs to de-stress or anything, she would want to bake something. Um, You know, and I think it's just, I don't know how to tie that in with adoption, but I do feel like there's this sort of like, when you don't know where you come from or your ancestry, um, you do have sort of like this open slate where it's like, you know what, this moves me. This must be part of my history. <laughs> I'm going to like, I'm going to embrace that. <laughs> I love that. It's honoring the truth that is you. Mm-hmm. Well, in these last couple of minutes, I'm going to let both of, uh, everyone just say what you would ask listeners to do to create a world where everyone can feel that they belong, that they matter, and that they are loved. I think listening is the Thing we could do the most just listen and be open I mean we're not going to agree on everything in this world like that's just impossible but I think if we listen and understand just a little bit more it'll make things more peaceful so that's what I have to say well said Claire yes I think uh, I, I agree with that entirely and I'd add to that tell your stories and listen to other people's stories because as human beings we are endlessly fascinated by each other's stories and your story matters just as much as anybody else's does. I love that and Ella you get the last word. (laughs) Definitely to um I I yes I agree with both of those and maybe um just adding with that part of listening um just that that element of compassion that um that you know everybody does have that story to tell and and where that story comes from may not be something that that you know would put us in the same place but but understanding that 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 has put them in that place that they're at now and on that path they're on love that our heartfelt thanks to Ellie for sharing your story with us and Claire Steele for selecting and reading a poem connected to Ellie's story and Zoe for joining us about a conversation about creativity and truth. I will add a little thank you, Mom, for being a belly dancer. And I'm sorry for all the times that I groaned and hid in the um, 
car when you were belly dancing at the gas station. Sorry. Thank you to Adam Rich with WOB for engineering and editing today's program. Our subject matter expert is Dr. Melissa Rizzo, and our storytelling producer and engineer is Zoe Lambert. Our creative and editing team includes Maddie, Maya, Alexa, Linnea, and Mark. And our music producer is Nick Kazernis, who's been writing John Artisting songs for over 30 years, including this show's song, theme song, Way to Me. And I am your host, Anna Ginja, signing off with a reminder that the key to unlocking all things good in this world is love. And here you are loved and you are home. Always a friend and fan, this is Anna Ginja wishing you days filled with love, laughter, and peace.